Dear friends in Christ, it's this weekend that we really conclude our theme of those four past weeks of a particular theme, consecrated stewards. And that word consecrated, we know, means set apart for God. And that's who we are. It's very special for us to have that connection with him. And stewards, well, we know that we're those managers of the resources that God, our owner, has given us in this life. In addition to being stewards today, I also want to emphasize our special relationship with him. And that is that we are children of God. And we just read that passage from John's first letter a little while ago. There were some children who were playing on a a school playground, and they're teasing each other, as children often do. And they began to pick on a child who was adopted. You don't have real parents, they, they said. You don't even know who your real parents are. You're just adopted. Well, to that, the adopted child responded, Oh, yeah, well, when you were born, your parents didn't have a choice. They had to keep you. My parents didn't just have me, they wanted me. And we know that as we are those friends in Christ, each of us is also an adopted child of our Heavenly Father. Why? Because God wanted you and me. And from eternity, he chose us to be his own. You know, before you were ever born, before you even had a chance to prove yourself that you were a sinner, God chose you to be a member of his family. And he made your place in his family possible by carrying out a plan of salvation in his own son, Jesus Christ. And then at the time, as the time went on, well, God, he made his choice and his an adoption a reality by sending his Holy Spirit into your hearts and making you his own. And he put his name on you in your baptism. God has continued in your heart, even to this day, so that you can say with confidence each day you get up, you can say, I'm a child of God. That's what John says in our text. He's called all us to be his children. God has called us to be those children of his. And so we can say, God's children, that's what we are. Believe it. Now, John was not a young man when he was writing these words. He was probably almost in his 90s. And you would think that by this time, he would take his place in the family of God for granted. But not John. Can you hear the enthusiasm in his words that we read? How great is the love that the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that's what we are. Have you ever seen the musical Annie? You know, all those children are there in that orphanage, and they're waiting for someone to take them home and make them their children. And not in Annie's wildest dreams did she think that someone rich and wonderful like Daddy Warbucks would really choose her to come and live with him. You know, why would anyone want someone who's so plain and ordinary like herself? And for Annie, it was a pinch-me, you know, that it's real type of experience. And so it is with being a child of God, but in a much more dramatic way. Why? Because it is real. Each of us could say, you know, really, there's no reason I ought to hold this hope in my heart that God would want me and choose me to be his child. 
I have no right of birth. And we know we don't because the human race, we lost that right to be counted in God's family when Adam and Eve fell into sin. Nor have we earned that right. Have you always used God's name with respect? Have you always loved your parents and obeyed them always? Have you never lost your temper and then later you regretted it? We know we haven't kept God's commandments perfectly, and we don't deserve to be God's child. And yet, John, he says without a doubt, how great is the love that the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that's what we are. How can John be so confident? How can we be so sure about those words? Well, it's because God would not have sent his son Jesus to pay for our sins and all people's sins, if he didn't love us. And he wouldn't have put his own name on us in our baptism if he didn't want us to be in his family, to be those children, to choose us for himself. John later writes in this chapter, he says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can that love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but in actions and in truth. What are those actions and truth that John's talking about? Well, the truth we know as being Jesus Christ himself. And also the Bible, God's word of truth. As children obey their parents, well, we should also follow what God, our Heavenly Father, directs us to do according to his will and word. Those actions, they're primarily our time and our talents. Imagine trying to calculate your lifetime, over your lifetime, actually, how many hours, days, weeks, and months that you have over the years, serve the Lord in various ways. God allows us to manage our time and our abilities for his purposes. And this is the joy that we have as his children, as being those who serve as members of his family. And we know that, lastly, our treasures are also a blessing from God as he continues to give to us. And our response is to say, thank you. Thank you, God, by giving a portion of those blessings to him, again, for his purposes. Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians 9, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Generosity is a journey for us. It's not a destination. You know, there's one misconception that people have is that you know you can you really need to have all your finances in order before you can give. And the first step in generosity itself is to give. You know that sounds odd when you think that you know you don't have anything to give for example. But even giving the first dollar is really an act of faith. An act of faith in our God who provides for us. Here at Trinity we know that 
People are moved in different ways at different stages of their life. And there's an initial decision about your generous response to God and what he's doing through Trinity, following all the way to a over-the-top, open-handed type of response. One that's described even in Acts chapter 2, where it says all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. When we had our booklets that we received for consecrated stewards, there was a ladder, and it said, uh, it's going to be explained today. Well, there's that ladder. And where are you on this ladder? It's called a generosity ladder. Think about it. You know, visitors who come to Trinity are certainly our guests. And there may come a time when a newer attender starts to feel like, yeah, I am family here. And if you are a guest, is God calling you to take this first step? This first step in joining our family and Trinity and God's mission. And to make a difference in the community. And also making a difference in the lives of the people who call this their spiritual home. The first step can lead to more instances of generosity as you continue to feel God's nudge, even when that nudge is in your pocketbook. You begin to hold your change and your bills with an open hand instead of a clenched fist for yourself. Well, God's next step for you is to be intentional, not just to offer something that's handy, a a bit of your surplus, but to plan to give. And when you recognize that all that you have is his, well, then your budget will have an identifiable, consistent pattern to it, of that pattern of giving. Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians that on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up. And taking this step, it can be scary, right? We all feel uncertain about tomorrow, And that includes uncertainty about the resources we may have tomorrow and the needs that tomorrow may bring to us. You know, the ups and downs in our economy, even during these times, it really makes you maybe think twice about certain things, doesn't it? Well, we know that, you know, we ask those questions like, you know, who wants one more thing to squeeze into a tight budget? Well, what God is asking you to do in this step is to trust him. He's the one who does know about what tomorrow brings. And intentional giving raises questions like how much and how often. And those are good questions. God is really shifting your view of your stuff. And your giving should be directly and proportionally tied to what God has allowed to come into your life. The how much of your generosity, well, it's tied to his generosity toward you. And what's important is the consistency, which is a mark of your trust in God. Set a regular amount and a regular rhythm to it. Proverbs 3 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything that you produce. You know, we have here offering envelopes as one way of giving to our God. And at the end of later this month, at that time frame, uh, each household will be able to 
receive that box of envelopes for the next year for those who have requested those. And we know that they're directed toward those types of things like the regular giving funds, but also other areas that our church and school is connected to. Another tool is through electronic or what we call even online giving. And you know, we know that we can give even for a set amount regularly, weekly, biweekly, twice a month, even monthly. All those options are there. And being intentional, that brings honor to God. And we give off the top, you know, not really selling for just scraping off the bottom of our own finances. We want to reflect that goodness of God that he gives to us. And when you're well into the habit of giving in that way, intentional giving, God will be nudging you about that how much. The traditional mark for people is the tithe. We see that being known as one-tenth. And initially, that may sound huge, but God is saying, give just give that little portion. I'll give you 90% to live on. I'll work on your heart. I'll keep that open hand there for you. And has your intentional and consistent giving then been loosening for the practice of tithing to getting to that point? You know, put the tithe back in God's hand and you'll really be amazed at what he can do with it and how far he'll stretch that remaining 90% for you. When people get to the top of the ladder, they find that God's truly blessed them with an abundant life. And that's not only enough resources for themselves and their family, but God has also generously provided for the needs that pop up on the radar of our church and school and in our larger community. They see that God's hand is all around them. His kingdom is there. And instead of storing up for their own comfort, they're growing the treasures of God's kingdom. And this is how money really shows where our heart is. The funny thing about tithing is you learn that it's not just being able to live only on 90%, but even on 80% and perhaps even 70%. We know that with God, nothing is impossible. And wherever you are on this generosity ladder, I invite you to take the next step up. It might be a percentage, whatever it is. And commit to it for a specific period of time. Take 10 weeks and see how God continues to bless you and provide for you at that next level. And whatever that next step is, you really know that God has begun this work in you and that he's ready to see you through it. During the past three weeks, we've had the joy of having personal testimonies of our members in those areas of faith and of giving and of witness. And their words in four or five minutes can probably even impact you more than we pastors can do in our weekly sermons. Well, this week, the focus is on you. You are the personal testimony of how God has blessed you in various ways, of how that's reflected in your life, and how you may even one day share with someone else in word or in action what that means to you. Our Lord has given you the time and the talents and the treasures to be able to do that. Why? 
because you are his dearly loved child. And you will become generous only if you realize that all that you have comes from God. He's the one who gave his all for us in Jesus Christ. What a joy it is to understand that generous giving is really of oneself. It's not giving. It's giving back to the one who gives all things to us, our Lord and Savior. In his name, amen. As we have done in these past weeks, uh, when you came in, you uh, had received a little special gift with you uh, regarding our uh, time of, that we had used in our prayer service. And with that, uh, you have these doves. And uh, we're going to give you an opportunity now to uh, look at those. Uh, they're either with you or they'll be on the screens. Tim, can you put the first one up there? Thank you. The supplication. Supplication is asking God. And so we ask for you know, God, to help me change, change my whatever. You know, give me courage to, and there's others that we'll see later. I'm going to give you 45 seconds for each of these two doves that we have up before us. So uh, take about a minute and a half and just pray to the Lord on whatever there is and whatever you need uh, right now at this moment. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.